there, it's Peter Bergman, and today is Boxing Day. Yes, the day after Christmas, this being December 26, 2011, is Boxing Day, an old English custom in which the kids put all of their nice presents back in the boxes. Well, I hope you had a Merry Christmas and that you had a sufficient number of gifts. It's a strange culture, though. Today, being the 26th, they say, is the third biggest shopping day of the year, as they say, Hordes of people will descend on the malls, etc. I wonder, is it possible that the root of American exceptionalism is consumption? We do indeed consume a quarter of the world's resources with a 20th of the world's population. Is there a deep psychological voice that says, if you don't keep over-consuming, it will be taken away. If you don't continue the ritual, the magic will snap. I think it's something like that. Of course, we live in a culture supported through television that supports basically consumption above everything else, certainly consumption above compassion. But I think sooner or later that's got to change. All right, Boxing Day. Everything back in a box. Let's put the year 2011 back in a box. Well, what have we seen today? This is just a brief rundown. There may be other salient points that I've missed. I have a few more days before the end of the year to pick them up. Arab Spring, the year of the Arab Spring. We saw Gaddafi brought down by his own folks and NATO planes in the sky. It was quite surprising. I thought that man would go on forever, like well, like all the other major dictators in the world. They seem so stable, but indeed down he came. Tunisia, liberated by one self-immolation immolation, and then bing, everybody's up in the streets. Next thing you know, it's happening in Egypt, and now there's Yemen, and oh my, Syria. Of course, Syria is just a bloodbath, you know, an ophthalmologist gone mad. My question is this. Of course, I encourage the Arab Spring, and there's doubts as to whether it's real, how long it will last. The military is a real issue in Egypt. What's the surprise? I mean, if you're going to change the culture, you have to move through the major obstacles, and it's, in this case, the totalitarian bureaucracy, and it's uh, myrmidons amongst the military. But my question is, if there can be an Arab Spring, can there be an American Spring? Is Occupy Wall Street really the bellwether of an American spring? Will this, I guess in the very best sense, anarchistic movement, everyone being equal, there being no leaders, hard to believe, but they're pulling it off, will it change the consciousness of America? It certainly has at the beginning. I mean, you turn on the TV after Occupy Wall Street made its first splash, and there are people talking and being given the opportunity to talk and being respected as they speak, who were timorous to the 10th degree before this. Now these progressives are beginning to talk about the unequal distribution of American wealth. Shudder, shudder, shibboleth among shibboleths. Well, there you go. I believe, as I've said before, that if Occupy Wall Street and the spirit of Occupy Wall Street gets through the Stalingrad winter, then we will have an American spring. Cross your fingers. Okay, the Japanese nuclear disaster. Oh my, oh my. Is this the beginning of the end of nuclear power as a reasonable means of delivering energy? If so, it brings up a whole lot of questions. First of all, there are a lot of places in the world, France, for example, England, and many other that, and Japan, that depend uh, predominantly 
on nuclear power to drive their electric culture. We, by the way, live in the age of electricity. We think we live in the age of oil or automobiles or etc. No, electricity. The electrician comes along and pulls that plug. Everything stops, including... Uh, ice. Ah, just fooling around there. Okay, the Japanese. The Japanese not only have this tremendous disaster forced on them by nature, all right? And good old nature, good old oceans, good old tectonic plates can't count on them to cooperate with the nuclear industry. And here's the deal. In order for them to <laughs> de-radioactivize uh, one of the towns caught in this uh, disaster, they would have to scrape the topsoil from an area as large as Connecticut, place it in eight football-sized stadiums for safekeeping, and scrub down an entire forest just to begin. I mean, that's the problem. Radioactivity. Whoa! No half-life to the problem. Okay, let's move on. The end of the war in Iraq. Oh, isn't it sad that normally at the end of the war you have ticker tape parades because it was a just war. Here you have this sloughing off to America, this kind of embarrassed return, and nobody knows what to do with all the shell-shocked veterans, and um, the Republicans don't want to give Obama any credit, and the Democrats don't seem too excited about it either. It's the end of an illegal war. Where's the pride? Uh, I mean, we were brought there under under lies. People died because of lies. We should be having war crimes trials right now instead of, you know, small print about this, this return. Well, they may be ending the war in Iraq, but the bloody stalemate in Afghanistan and the beginning of the end in Pakistan with a question mark. Certainly, Afghanistan is a deep, deep stalemate. They mentioned in the paper today how underreported the Afghan uh, war has been over the last year. It's just not flavor of the year anymore. It's really not very sexy. And Pakistan, well, is the head of Osama bin Laden somewhere in the sea laughing at us? Because our taking out of that international criminal, of course, without the support of the uh, Pakistani government, military, or intelligence, all three of whom were probably hiding him, it's quite obvious they were, is that the beginning of the end of our, our already sordid and inexplicable, or shall we say con contradictory relationship with this primitive nuclear power? It's really serious, man. I mean, these are the people that have been using us for 30 years, supporting the very people that are killing us in Afghanistan, and we know it, and we could do nothing about it. And it seems it is coming to some sort of an end. We can't send drones in anymore. My, oh my, how can we fight a war without drones? Let's come home. Let's bring the war back home. Stagnant economy and continued record unemployment. You'd think that would be enough to take everybody's attention, right? But the American empire is not a domestic empire. It's an international semi or nouveau or neo-colonial empire. And while we spend billions and billions of dollars nation building in Afghanistan, an impossible nightmare here at home, Record number of people are unemployed for record number, you know, lengths of time. Over 50% of the unemployed have been unemployed for almost a year. Unemployed for a year is a structural disaster. And what are we doing about it? Well, the Democrats in Congress are trying to get something done, and the Republicans, the new Republicans, the teabaggers, the heartless ones, 
consider the unemployed to be a scourge. It's their own problem. Uh, Ron Johnson says they're just bad workers. I mean, these are the people at least earning minimal wage. So if you aren't employed, you're the bottom of the heap. Who was it? Yeah, uh, Herman the, the Clown Kane said, blame yourself. Uh-huh. Well, we'll see if 2012 can do anything about that. Of course, there's already a big fight brewing as to whether or not we want to extend unemployment benefits beyond this two-month uh, respite we got when the teabaggers outdid themselves, uh, moved too quickly, were too, too ideologically stupid, and finally got themselves uh, sandbagged. In fact, by themselves. Obama didn't do it. They did it to themselves. In any case, that comes up before the end of February, and oh, there's big stirrings amongst the, the right to end this whole thing and to humiliate the president again. Of course, humiliating the unemployed in the process. Also, we've had a definitive report this year that the oceans are dying. That should be enough just to take everyone's attention. Also, our largest farm is dying, and in order to solve this problem, all of the solutions are impossible. You have to stop putting all chemical fertilizer waste in the oceans. Impossible. Stop most fishing. Impossible. Stop all offshore drilling. Impossible. And give the power to do all of this to the United Nations. Impossible. Which this year, by the way, has had to slash its own budget. Then we have a gridlock do-nothing Congress that fiddles with itself while Rome burns. But I must remind you the following, particularly my liberal friends who despair of the Obama administration and the Congress that is connected one way or another to that happening. Here's a quote. If Congress had passed nothing more than the health care bill and the Wall Street reforms, this Congress would have been more significant than any since 1965-66. That was the great uh, civil rights, etc. Congress under Lyndon. But they did a lot more than that. Perhaps the best piece of legislation was the Credit Card Act. The public lands bill was very significant. The creation of a consumer financial protection agency was huge. Little notice was the fact that the Dems finally got a patient bill of rights bill through, finally passed a hate crimes bill, and finally cut out the middleman on college loans. Veterans did extremely well in this Congress, which the American Legion readily recognizes. This is a quote from a blogger on uh, Talking Points memo. It's true. There was a lot that was gotten done. A lot still to be done. And of course, Obama faced that gap between the expectations from his fabulous campaign in 2008 and what he could actually pull off. You could say he only has himself to blame, but we all wanted to believe because we all know the need is there. Then at the end, or shall we say the penultimate end, we have the laughable, if it weren't so perilous, Republican primary sideshow, which I have been covering in its entirety. I mean, what could be more oh, sad, because the Republican Party used to be a real party in this country, to find a group of garden gnomes, the likes of Herman Cain, who ends up basically being accused of criminal assault. He disappears. Rick Perry can't remember a, a list that's longer than two. He's gone, Ron Paul, it turns out. <laughs> I tell you, Ron, you run for president, really for president, not just as a joke, and you get vetted, and they find out about this incredible series of newsletters with your name on it. Oh, I didn't know what happened. Yeah, uh -huh. me, Peter Bergman. Send out three Peter Bergman different newsletters, promote them, make some serious bucks off them, and I don't know what they say. Come on. And then, of course, because I want to end on a positive note, there's Elizabeth Warren. Ah, Elizabeth Warren. 
She's the best. The only one I've ever sent any money to, and I, I definitely recommend you do the same, but you know, that's your politics. In any case, she is a shining light. And she's going to whip Brown in Massachusetts. Now, before I end on Boxing Day, I want to remind all of my listeners again that as of January 2nd, uh, Radio Free Oz will be dime a day, $3 a month in order to download Oz and its archives and the giggle bites and all the other things that we're going to be putting together, are in the process of putting together. Very soon, perhaps as early as tomorrow, you'll be able to go up to Radio Free Oz Press on the Register Now button, be taken over to our register page, and sign up. It's real simple. Three bucks a month. You can either do it through PayPal or, I think, Amazon or something like that. But it's it's no big deal. And we look forward to having you there, and it guarantees that Oz will be on the air. So box up all those presents. Believe in the presents. Hope in the future. And I'll see you tomorrow. And, hey, everything we know isn't always wrong. In fact, sometimes I think... A lot of what we know is right. See you in a moment.